Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Frozen 2 in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. Statistics. Uh, first of all, this episode's going to be driven by statistics and, and framed by statistics, but it will definitely incorporate a review element uh, for Frozen 2. I won't be doing a, a solo review episode for the film. Uh, there won't be any spoilers, so there's that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's enough going on here uh, from a statistics point of view to include it. And I also kind of have too many episodes to do at the moment and you know I could have done two frozen episodes uh, and and so this is just me trying to I don't know um, condense things a little bit uh, as it were so without any further ado let's jump into frozen 2 it is a 2019 film I saw it November 21st 2019 I saw it Thursday night of release night uh, it's an hour and 43 minutes long uh, that i believe includes the end credits uh which um happened at the very 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 tail end of the film uh which i you know i'm not gonna say you need to stay around and, and watch but uh it is you know it's 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 there it's a thing it's not a bad thing, but it's a it's just a thing, part of the movie. I ended up giving Frozen to a 79. Uh, I thought it was really fun. I thought it was really exciting. I liked the songs. I liked the characters. I liked the story. Uh, it's not perfect. You know, it's not even the best animated film I've seen this year. But it was up there. And I came away very much interested in listening to all the songs again uh, and and totally open to to seeing the film again I, I thought it was good you know um i liked the first one a lot i've kind of waned a bit on on the first one in the years since it's come since its release i think it's got great music and great songs but uh the story in the original is fairly simple and the story in this one isn't as simple uh, it might not be the most imaginative thing ever, but I liked the story. I liked the direction the characters took, and I think it, it did follow somewhat seamlessly from the uh, original in the sense that there's definitely parts where it feels as though Frozen 2, uh, parts of the story, n like none of it had been considered when they made the first one. And that's fine but it does kind of seep through here and there uh, which is a little frustrating you know there's a lot of backstory in, uh, included in frozen 2 that would have probably framed elements of the first movie so you know it misses a few points here and there for those things but i i liked it better i liked i am frozen 2 greater than frozen 1 as uh, we will see. Last I looked, it had a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
currently ranks as my number seven uh, for 2019 and my 1192nd highest rated film of all time it is not as far as i'm aware in the imdb top 250 it does have a three on the bechtel test uh, Anna and Elsa talk to each other tons in the movie. It is a PG film. It is ranked 152nd out of all adventure films, 167th out of all animated films, 415th out of all comedies, 119th out of all fantasy films, 55th out of all musicals, and 31st out of all animated Disney films. It is the second film in the Frozen franchise, uh, excluding the awful short films that have accompanied it. Uh, six years later, the franchise now features two films that total three hours and 3.13 hours with an average film rating of 75 and a half. Uh, the first Frozen I gave us, I have a given a 72 sequel 79. My brief summary of this film, an ancient land holds the key to the origin of Elsa's powers and why Arendelle is in danger. So let's kind of break out down the story a little bit more after Frozen. Uh, we spent most of Frozen, one, learning that Elsa has powers, uh, two, her powers becoming public knowledge uh, by not only Arendelle, but her sister Anna, who did know about them and had her memory erased so that she would forget. And when this comes back to light at the time of Elsa's coronation, uh, it, it she doesn't have control of them. She cannot... You know, it's it's something that because it's been suppressed, because it's been something she's told she should not use, should not have, should not do, it's become something that she cannot control. And because of, and that endangers Arendelle and, and the many other people within it. So Elsa leaves. There's a expedition to get her back. Anna is able to do that. However, she is being manipulated by Han, Hans, and... Ultimately, it is Elsa who saves Anna's life after coming back to Arendelle, and uh, the two of them make up, best friends again, and uh, preside over Arendelle happily ever after. Great. Uh, personally, you know, the story seems well wrapped up to a degree, but there's still this missing question of where did Elsa's powers come from? Why does she have powers when Anna has none? Uh, do either of her parents have powers and the move first frozen never tries to answer that uh we barely see anna and elsa's parents in the film uh they die they die on a ship and you know they don't you know we get like a couple of lines from them in the beginning of the film and that's it in frozen 2 uh we try to answer some of those questions which i greatly appreciate you know, we, Anna or Elsa, a couple of years have passed now, or I'm not actually sure how much time has passed. Time has passed, and now Elsa is accepted by everyone. She seems to have a strong control of her powers and can use them efficiently and uh, at ease. Anna and Kristoff are together, uh, and and nearly um, engaged. And all of a sudden, something invades this sort of perfect, idyllic time. 
And we open the film with a flashback to when Anna and Elsa were kids, and their parents tell them the story of this other place, uh, North Aldra. North Aldra? Eh. North Aldra. North, uh. North Aldra, uh, where it's a it's a magical forest where the elements are all spirits that that affect the world around them the people aren't magic the the world is the forest is and these north ultra people uh, are known by the arendellians and so the arendellians uh, including Anna and elsa's father go there uh, break bread with them it's a peace thing uh, war breaks out and suddenly the elements withdraw the the forest itself becomes enveloped in this fog and uh, no one is able to come in or out of it ever since. And the film hinges on that. Uh, the film sends Elsa, kind of pulls Elsa in that direction. And to her, to the you know, to its credit, she pulls herself that way because she realizes and recognizes that as much as she's comfortable in the world she is, and as much as she's comfortable with her station in life there are a lot of unanswered questions and this is the direction her path is taking her to answer some of those questions and i appreciate the fact that the film allows her to kind of gives her the opportunity to follow those things and at first it seems a little convenient uh, the reasoning and, and how it ha- all kind of comes together, but I felt as the film continued on and as we as more of the p- pieces of the puzzle slid into place, it became a lot more complex and uh, um, you know revealed itself to be a much more um, three dimensional picture than uh, what was originally pre- uh, presented to to us. So I like the idea. I like you know the first film. As much as it had to do with Elsa, it did feel more like Anna's story if I had to give the edge to one of the two of the sisters. This film absolutely is more of Elsa's story than Anna's, you know. And I like that. I think that's a good good thing. Um, so yeah, I like it. It's good. It's good. Moving on. Let us jump in to some more statistics here. Uh, we have directors. Chris Buck... This is the fourth film of his I've seen. It increases his average film rating to a 68 even. It is his second film rated in the 70s and second best movie overall. Coming in behind Tarzan and ahead of Frozen. Uh, whoops. He has a value of 3, a score of 48.33 to be ranked 217th overall. One spot behind Sylvain Chamet and one spot ahead of Hal Ashby. Also, Jennifer Lee. This is the third film of hers I've seen. It drops her average or increases her average film rating to a 60.67. It is her second film rated in the 70s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of Frozen. She has a value of one, a score of 37.4 to be ranked 523rd overall, one spot behind Carlos Saldana, and one spot ahead of Paul Mazursky. Uh, Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck return to direct Frozen 2. They directed the first film. And they manage, they, they <clears throat> are able to take a film, you know, six years later, and for such a huge hit, 
for how popular Frozen was, films like that get sequels two years later, three years later, maybe. And this is six years down the line. Now, animated films, you know, take a different amount of work from different types of people working on the animation and the voices and all this, that, and the other. Uh, on top of that, you have, it's Disney. Disney has so many uh, intellectual properties at their disposal, and it does take them a long time to get to sequels. Uh, now, more than ever, as they continue to accumulate greater and greater IP. Uh, so six years has passed, uh, and to the film's credit, like I watched the first Frozen a couple of days before we went and saw this one, and it's just like Incredibles 2, you can, and in, in the first Incredibles, you can see the difference in visual quality in the animation. Uh, it's obviously, it's, it's noticeably, visibly, obviously a step up, but the films, the sequels still manage to retain the style of the original so much that it's, it's very easy to kind of watch the transition happen. Um, you get... I, I guess my my I, one of my issues, and I think this touches on more writing and direction. I think is where this issue or originates is Kristoff. I it really feels like this movie did not know what to do with him, and that is a problem. If you want him to be a main character, uh, he needs to have a purpose, and it did not feel like he had a purpose in Frozen Two. His side story, in quotation marks is very, very much, very, uh, it's, it, I get why it's in there, you know, they, they found him something to do, and it just, it did not feel worthwhile, he kind of just, I don't know, I'm not sure how you incorporate him better, or if you shouldn't incorporate him as much, uh, maybe relegate him more to a supporting character, even more so, uh, because Olaf, is still a, a primary character in this film. He's definitely a tier below Anna and Elsa, but he is, you know, on at least on Kristoff's level, if not above it. And he's his purpose. You know, he felt like he belonged in this movie. He felt like he deserved to be here. I think if you take Olaf out of Frozen Two, it diminishes the film. I don't know that that's true with Kristoff. And, you know, he has his songs and his inclusion with them and his relationship with Anna and the way he interacts with Elsa and, you know, is part of the reason they are able to get to a lot of the places they go. And you got the Sven element. But I really don't think much of the film, if any of it, is is fundamentally different if you pull out Kristoff. And I think that is a problem. So, writers, screenplay. Um, let's do it this way. Cool. Frozen 2, we've got Jennifer Lee. Uh, this is the sixth film credit of hers I've seen, increasing her average film rating to a 64.83. It's her third film, rated in the 70s, and second best movie overall, coming in behind Zootopia and ahead of Wreck-It Ralph. She has a value of 3, a score of 51.63, to be ranked 227th overall, one spot behind Waldo Salt, and one spot ahead of Joe Swirling. You have Chris Buck, fourth film credit of his, increasing his average film rating to a 66. It's his second film, rated in the 70s, second best movie overall, coming in behind Pocahontas and ahead of Frozen. 
has a value of 2.5, a score of 46.5 to ranked 403rd overall, one spot behind Victor Heerman, and one spot ahead of James Goldman. You have Mark Smith, second film of his I've seen, increasing his average film rating to a 55 even. It's a value of, uh, it's only, yeah. only film rating in the 70s, best movie overall, coming in ahead of Frozen Fever. He has no value, a score, no value, a score of 27.5 to be ranked 2,222nd overall, one spot behind Stu Krieger, and one spot ahead of William Gibson. Then you have Christopher, Kristen Anderson Lopez, Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. Uh, this is the only film of theirs that they've directed. Average rating of 79, one film, it's in the 70s, best film, worst film, value of one, score of 27.33, and they're ranked 2,240th overall, one spot behind Chuck Jones and one spot ahead of Mary Norton. Uh, so those are all the writers, big cast of writers, uh, as is the case with a lot of the animated films that Disney produces. And I kind of I got touched on the the um, the Kristoff stuff. Let me looking more on the story. Frozen two, uh, unlike Frozen one, where you know I think about the story Frozen one, it's very straightforward, and I don't think that, that's not a negative element to a, a story or anything. You know, be it a film, TV show, whatever. A simple thing is not a bad thing. It just makes. It just means that for something to be good and simple, the other things around it have to work. The voice acting has to work. The animation has to be good. The songs have to be well-written and catchy and, and emotional and, and powerful. The, the characters have to be three-dimensional and lively. The, the vibe, the, the production design, the, the camera, you know, whatever the situation is, whatever the... the peripheral elements are if you have a simple story they have to be firing on all cylinders to make it a good piece of media and frozen to to a great degree does that i i think you know the voice work from Kristen bell and, and idina menzel is fantastic uh and even santino uh fontana fontana is is great as hans in the first frozen and I think pretty much across the board, all of that stuff that was in Frozen is in Frozen 2. Like back then, the animation was state-of-the-art. Here, state-of-the-art animation. The voice work back then was great. The voice work here is great. The songs back then were good. Uh, the songs here are good. The, you know, the, the animation, <clears throat> all that stuff absolutely excels. So the biggest improvement for me from Frozen to Frozen 2 is the writing. And... I don't think, you know, again, Frozen 2 isn't some master class in screenwriting, but it's a good script. It is a good screenplay. Uh, we get to learn more about our characters. The, from, from where I'm sitting, the writers had to jump through a lot of hoops to not only give us a compelling sequel to the first film, but write in this backstory without completely undoing elements from the first film and that is tricky and I thought the film pulled it off which is no easy feat and uh, so I, I really appreciated that I think you know including you know we get so many so much more from their parents in this film 
you know, we get scenes in the beginning of the film with them speaking. We get flashbacks to them interacting in the past. You know, Evan Rachel Wood not is part of like two songs in this film. One she sings by herself. Another she sings as a duet. And you know, it just it it, it expands the world in in a way that I really responded to, and I think that's why it's you know moved up for me that's why so uh i mentioned no spoilers some of the voice roles may be considered that so i will uh abstain i will skip over some of those possible spoilers that i uh and kind of stick to the ones that are obvious but it is an animated film so there's gonna be a lot of names that are unrecognizable or you know for characters that don't have names first up is scott menville this is the 14th film credit of his i've seen it increases his average format to a 67.07 it's his fifth film right in the 70s and fourth best movie overall coming in behind paranorman and ahead of wreck it ralph he has a value of 9.5 a score of 68.19 to be ranked 96th overall one spot behind Ricky Jay and one spot ahead of Laura Dern. Scott Menville, of course, uh, famous, famous, famous character from the Frozen franchise of Additional Voice. Additional Voice. Next up is Alfred Molina. This is the 41st film credit of his I've seen. It increases his average from mine to a 56.83. It's his 13th film rated in the 70s and 7th best movie overall, coming in behind Spider-Man 2 and ahead of Magnolia. He has a value of 5, a score of 59.19 to be ranked 438th overall, one spot behind Shahab Hosseini, and one spot ahead of Ray McKinnon. Alfred Molina is the voice of Agnar. Uh, Agnar is, of course, uh, Ananelsa's father. Anna and Elsa's father. Uh, and he does a good job. Uh, like I said, it's very tough to step into these roles that really didn't exist in the original and make them new and and but old at the same time. And so I think Molina, you know, it's not, a, again, it's not like a huge difficult thing for Molina and Evan Rachel Wood to do that. But uh, what they did, I, I really appreciate. I thought they did a good job. <coughs> Excuse me. Next is Jeremy Sisto. This is the eighth film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film rank to a 65.38. It's his only film in the 70s. Third best movie overall, coming in behind May and ahead of Justice League, colon, The New Frontier. He has a value of 4.5, a score of 56.8, to be ranked 588th overall, one spot behind Barry Keegan, and one spot ahead of Dom DeLuise. Ooh, okay. Jeremy Sisto is the voice of King Runyard. 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 Um, which um, I believe is the grandfather of Anna and Elsa, Agnar's father. And he has a small role, so he does what he can. Uh, next up, Idina Menzel. This is the one that uh, this is the eighth film of hers I've seen. 
she has an average film rating of 61.38. It's her third film in the 70s and third best movie overall, coming in behind Enchanted and ahead of Ralph Breaks the Internet. She has a uh, value of 2.5, a score of 51.6, to be ranked 1,044th overall. One spot behind Eileen Brennan and one spot ahead of Jason Fleming. Elsa is great. Uh, if not better in this film than the first, uh, at least from a character standpoint, and I thought the voice work from Menzel was even better than it was in the first. Uh, she gets a lot of big songs, and I loved all of them, so I, I thought she was great. Idina Menzel. Next is Fred Tataskior. This is the 34th film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film rate to a 53.21. It's his 8th film in the 70s and 5th best movie overall, coming in behind Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, and ahead of Wreck-It Ralph. He has a value of negative 1.5, a score of 48.75, to be ranked 1,340th overall, one spot behind Nick Frost, and one spot ahead of Lizzie Kaplan. Fred Tataskior... Another world-renowned voice actor playing the role of additional voice. Next is Kieran Hines. This is the 36th film credit of his I've seen, uh, increasing his average film rating to a 52.56. This is uh, fifth film, rated in the 70s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Munich and ahead of The Debt. is a value of negative 7.5, a score of 42.29 to be ranked 2,154th overall. One spot behind Michael Ironside and one spot ahead of Gladys George. Kieran Hines is the voice of Pabby, uh, who I believe is the rock magic thing. Um, troll, the rock troll thing. And I'll be fair, clear, like I hate those characters a lot in these movies. Uh, far more than Olaf. I really do not like the rock trolls. But Kieran Hines has a great voice. Next is Martha Plimpton. This is the eighth film credit of hers I've seen, increasing her average film rate to a 53.63. It's her second film, rated in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Beautiful Girls and ahead of Parenthood. She has a value of negative one, a score of 41.9, to be ranked 2,213th overall. One spot behind Joanna Scanlon, and one spot ahead of Carrie Preston. Martha Plimpton is the voice of Yelena, who is uh, a character found in the magical forest. I will leave it at that. Next is Carrie Walgren. This is the 16th film credit of hers I've seen, increasing her average film rating to a 50.5. It is her second film, rated in the 70s and third best movie overall, coming in behind Tangled and ahead of Bolt. She has a value of negative 3, a score of 41.89, to be ranked 2,215th overall. One spot behind, Carrie Preston, and one spot ahead of John Deal. Carrie Walgren is the voice of additional voice. <clears throat> a lot of those going around. Next is Sterling K. Brown. This is the ninth film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film rate to a 52.56. It is his... First film rated between rated in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Black Panther and ahead of Marshall. He has a value of negative 1.5, a score of 41.5 to be ranked 2,262nd overall. One spot behind John Garfield and one spot ahead of Ty Simpkins. 
Sterling K. Brown plays the voice of Lieutenant Matthias, uh, who is a former, I guess he's a current member of the Arendelle army. Not exactly sure how the how that works out. You have to watch the movie. Uh, next is Jason Ritter. This is the seventh film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film rating to a 53.86. It's his second film rating in the 70s and second best movie overall, coming in behind The Tale and ahead of The East. He has a value of negative 0.5, a score of 41.39 to be ranked 2,277th overall. One spot behind Maya Michelle. Maya Mitchell, and one spot ahead of William Shatner. Jason Ritter is the voice of Ryder, who is uh, another character met in the fog. Next is Evan Rachel Wood. This is the 18th film credit of hers I've seen, increasing her average format to a 49.94. It's her only film in the 70s and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind The Wrestler and ahead of Across the Universe. She has a value of negative 4.5, a score of 40.45 to be ranked 2,428th overall. One spot behind Cher and one spot ahead of Hugh Bonneville. Evan Rachel Wood plays Iduna, who is, which apparently is the name of Elsa and Anna's mother. And I liked it. Uh, she's got a great singing voice. I, I liked when she appeared in the film. Uh, any part that included uh, Iduna or Agnar was very much appreciated. I loved getting to see so much backstory for these characters. I did. Next is Phil Lamar. This is the 21st film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average performing to a 46.29. It is his third film in the 70s and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind Spider-Man 2 and ahead of Bolt. He has a value of negative 7.5, a score of 34.76 to be ranked 3,173rd overall. One spot behind John Littell and one spot ahead of Anna Gunn. Phil Lamar. <laughs> uh, so Phil Lamar plays the role of uh, additional voice. However, I was the one who input uh, all the additional voice roles into the movie database, which is the in information place that uh, Letterboxd pulls its stuff from. And instead of additional voice, I put his role down as additional Lamar. I'm going to go change that real quick. Additional Lamar. Funny. Uh, yes. Uh, Phil Lamar, additional voice. Next is Jessica DeCico. DeCico? 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 This is the sixth film credit of hers I've seen, increasing her average film rating to a 48.33. It's her only film in the 70s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of I Know That Voice, a documentary about voice actors. <clears throat> she has a value of negative 2.5, a score of 33.75 to be ranked 3,293rd overall. One spot behind Joe Manganiello and one spot ahead of Adam Pally. Uh, she's the voice of Additional Voice. Like I said, there are a lot of those going around. Next up is Jonathan Groff. This is the sixth film credit of his I've seen, increasing his average film rating to a 46. Even it is his second film, rated in the 70s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of Frozen. 
He has a value of negative 3, a score of 31.5 to rank 3,553rd overall. One spot behind Anthony Hopkins, one spot ahead of Michael Sheen. Groth as Kristoff, <clears throat> like I said, I thought his character was one of the least important uh, of the named characters in the film. However, I will say he has a song towards the middle of the film called Lost in the Woods that is so brazen, uh, so uh, over the top that it's hard not to enjoy it. It's it's a really, really odd choice that, that they make to put this song in, to have written this song at all, uh, for it to make the final cut. And I don't hate it. I thought it was very funny, but uh, it's it's definitely a, a sort of a showstopper of sorts. Jonathan Groff. Next is Kristen Bell. This is the 29th film credit of hers I've seen. It increases her average film rating to a 45.79. It is her fourth film rated in the 70s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Safety Not Guaranteed and ahead of Ralph Breaks the Internet. She has a value of negative 11.5, a score of 31.34 to be ranked 3,576th overall. One spot behind Amanda Peet, one spot ahead of Phoebe Nichols. Kristen Bell, of course, is Anna. She does a great job in this film. Uh, like I said, I think the film's priorities in the sequel shift more to Elsa than they were in the, than, than Anna, but she gets plenty of moments of her own to excel the relationship between Anna and Elsa is you know as strong as ever and and just as compelling to watch in my opinion and a big part of that is Belle and and Menzel and they're both great then we get to Josh Gad this is the 23rd film credit of his I've seen increasing his average film rate to a 35.61 it is his third film we're in the 70s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of Frozen. He has a value of negative 21.5, a score of 11.26 to be ranked 4,846th overall, one spot behind Nicki Minaj, one spot ahead of Mike Epps. This is the voice of Olaf, who, against all odds, I didn't find annoying. I thought Olaf was very funny in the film. Uh, he plays... Not necessarily like a key role, but a, a significant one in the movie. And I you know, appreciate that. I'm glad they found something for Olaf to do. Having seen the short films where he is obnoxious and uh, you know unwatchable. And even Frozen, uh, I thought he was a little much. But I thought they kind of toned it down quite a bit in Frozen 2. And uh, you know, gave him a something a better situation to be in so i appreciated that those those are all the voice actors uh for the film it currently has no academy awards i would imagine it is nominated for best animated feature i would also imagine that it gets nominated for best original song i hear that into the unknown is the one that they're going with but honestly uh, most of the songs are really good show yourself is fantastic uh, those are probably my two favorite, and but you know I it's gonna get something, and uh, those are probably into the unknown and uh, best animated feature. It's likely what happens there. In the circle of film awards, currently 
It has two songs uh, in the original songs. Like I said, Show Yourself and To The Unknown, both making it to the list right now. It has Best Score, currently has a nomination, and uh, Best Special Effects, which includes animation. So four nominations for Frozen 2 on my own personal awards at the present. Into the year of 2019, it is one of the 234 films I have seen from this release this year. It is one of the 1,142 films I have seen during this calendar year. It increases the average film rating of 2019 films to 40.69, decrease uh, increases their tomato meter to 61.9. Uh, the genres, again, so let's see here. It is the 45th adventure, 29th animated, 89th comedy, uh, 37th fantasy film, 13th musical, and second animated Disney film. It increases the ratio of good to bad films to 0.36. It is the 52nd quote-unquote good film or film with a rating of 60 or more from this year. It is part of the 50.85% of films released in 2019 that I that have a 3 on the Bechtel test. It is the 32nd film with a PG rating from this year. And finally, with a rating of 79, it is the 95th film to receive that rating on my spreadsheet. Some of the others, uh, including one from the, another one from this year, Us, uh, we have We the Animals, Free Solo, Leave No Trace, The Lego Batman Movie, Baby Driver, Thor Ragnarok, The Square, La La Land, American Ultra, The Lore, Feast, uh, Heaven Knows What, St. Vincent, Behind the Candelabra, Premium Rush, Rampart, Boy A, Game Over. Oh no, that's a different Game Over. Um, Lilo and Stitch, The Rookie, A Knight's Tale. Office Space, Magnolia, The Original Ghost in the Shell, uh, Porco Rosso, City Slickers, Parenthood, Predator, Back to the Future, Fitzcarraldo, Gaslight, and the oldest film with this rating, all the way back to 1937, is Stage Door. That is it for today's episode on Frozen 2. little... Uh, you know, some statistics, a little bit of review here and there uh, to kind of give you, I don't know, this way you don't have two episodes of Frozen. You have one, and uh, you can listen to another episode on something other, some other topic. Thank you for listening. It does mean a lot. I do appreciate it. If you'd like to find more episodes, iTunes, Stitcher, places where podcasts can be found, you can find me on Twitter at Circle of Film. You can email circleoffilm at gmail.com. Find me on Letterboxd at Circle of Film. If you'd like to support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, uh, tell somebody about it, but really just listen. That's honestly, that just listen. It's the best thing you can do. If you are so inclined, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash circle of film for as little as one, uh, as little as eight cents an episode, uh, which does give you early access to all episodes that are released early. Uh, last week, there were two. And uh, this week, there will likely be two as well. And yeah, thank you for listening. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same
without a trace Nothing's gone forever, only out of place So long, farewell, au revoir, I'll be just saying Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. so long